0: Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1
1: Almost forgot to put that hose away. Looks like we're the only ones left. Ready to call it a night? No. Tomorrow everything starts up again and people leave. You can stay up a while longer. (sighs) Fair enough. Pass over my thermos? It's getting a little chilly. Want some tea? I'm okay, thank you. You know, you never did tell me the rest of what happened on your trip back north. Yeah. You told me about Sarah, but
0: not what you did after that.
1: That's fair. Damn, I miss them. Though, being with you makes it hurt less. Ugh. After they went back out into the universe, I sat for a long time. Most of the night, in fact. I didn't get moving until almost dawn. Meant spending the day in a trailer waiting for dark again, but it took a while to get a hold of the riders regardless. The (laughs) riders? Everything was set up. I just had to make the call. We've got an arrangement. I do mechanical work for them now and then, and I can catch a ride when I need one. Same way I made it here so fast. It's got to be somewhere along their routes, but it's a pretty good deal. You work on those huge trucks? And boats, and one time a hovercraft. I met Ziggy, the driver I was waiting for that day. broke down beside the road near Greater Nashville. Blew out a tread with no idea what to do next. Neither did I, really. But I found a toolkit and pulled up a layout. Two hours later, we were on the move. You know me, Elio. I can't stop myself. Some people see a problem. I see how to make it right again. So the raiders took you north from there? Well, part way. That was right after zero day, of course. We snuck past Orlando while things were in chaos, but by the time we closed in on Atlanta, security was checking every vehicle. I had to slip out a runway ramp, half a click before the stop point, and go on foot from there. Good thing I already liberated a few supplies from their cargo. I'm not that great at foraging out in the woods. I made my way with a GPS and a multi-tool and a backpack full of freeze-dried cheesecake bites. You know how it is. You've done a lot of traveling cross-country. Mostly with a group, though. (laughs) I did meet up with some folks eventually, after a few bad nights on my own. I got banged up sliding down a bank to avoid a drone patrol. They've been sending them further out every season. Had to camp out for most of a week while I healed up from a sprained shoulder and some pretty deep road rash. It was a quiet spot, but there's a lot more people on the trails than usual. I thought I'd better join up with some good ones before the other kind came around. Not everyone's got an Elio or a Mati Sarah. Or a Nanang. Hm. It was a mixed group. There was a corps who knew each other. They'd been running a camp somewhere, not quite a freehold, but not corporate either. So they weren't new, but they were new to the road. They'd taken in stragglers before me. I could see where things were getting frayed at the edges, but they were good people. I talked to the one who seemed to be heading things up, Shell, and made my way in. I'll bet they could use your help. Shell was pretty handy, but I made myself useful giving advice on the best routes, taking points with strangers. We had some trouble outside Charlotte, a couple that just didn't feel right. Turned out to be security infiltrators. You know the type. Hell, I think I spotted them because I pay attention to how you read people. Did they cause you trouble? Not much, really. We had to put them out by force, but by that time I had proof of all the shit they'd been up to. The whole group knew what had to happen. I made sure it was all out in the open. That's all you can do. Not that I wouldn't have had it out with them either way, but this was better. So I think I pulled my weight while we were on the same road. I actually left them at Three Rivers, our old freehold. By that time, the Megas were focusing on rebuilding and it seemed as safe as anywhere. I got the water wheel running again so they'd have power, help them fix the gates, and set trip wires. The garden there was still growing. <laughs> Shell asked me to stay. Uh, I'm not sure that was completely business-related, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not getting into details. It was nice, that's all. When I got home, my partners made fun of me for saying no. We've got a pretty open arrangement as often as I'm away. I'm half serious when I flirt with Elena. Elena, could you someone nice? <laughs> the reason I'm only half serious is I'm not sure I'm nice enough. Not compared to who's still in her head. <sighs> next stop after Three Rivers, next stop anywhere, this side of the continent is always the Great Lakes Super City. Fancy name for a security border to keep folks from crossing to the north or vice versa. But it's also got a string of ports of call for supply ships cruising in and out. So you know what that means. The riders again? The riders. Not that I saw them this time around. Crossing the lakes is down to a science. You hide in a shipping container at Site A and get loaded on a ship. You let yourself out at the signal. One long and two shorts on the horn. You might have to do a bit of swimming, but the folks who watch the coast from our side are waiting with a boat. Sometimes I think the megas have got to know, but maybe it's not really worth their trouble. I mean, what they did to the land. It doesn't look like anywhere worth escaping to. Is it that bad up there? Everyone says that it's bad. Here, just a second. When the corporations took over, they told us the old treaties were erased. The government who signed them didn't exist anymore. Generations of legal battles ended right then. They got rid of the laws. Half our land they took outright. The rest? They offered us sponsorships. We could keep our homes if we worked for them. If they could use us for their purposes. Mostly PR. Indigenous life brought to you by the conglomerate. We are North We are native. We are Nutrisoy. Some people thought we'd have more freedom in the end. Once they shot their commercials, what did they care how we lived? And for a while, that was true. But bit by bit, they cut the rest of the forests. They pumped every clean drop of water. They stripped the land bare with mines and let the rest catch on fire. That's when they came for what they left us. After all, they were our sponsors, not like they owed us anything. I know most of that from stories. When I was born, the worst had already been done. They kept pushing us into smaller spaces anytime they saw something they could use, or just to prove they could. When I was 15, they moved us out for safety reasons. They said the houses were condemned, the ground was contaminated. Who could have done that, I wonder? We had to pack in a day. They had trucks drive us halfway to the other rez, but then we walked from there. Whatever we couldn't carry stayed by the side of the road. I had this tool cabinet, about as tall as you are. By the time we settled in the new place and I could hitch a ride back to sea, it was gone. Those tools weren't just mine. When I started showing I was handy, they came from family, from friends, some who moved on. They were an inheritance. Later on, I hitched a ride further, right up to the fence they'd put up since they moved us. I hopped over and spent a full night going through folks' garages, basements, the fuel stop that did auto repair. found a decent set of ratchets, a torque wrench, and some bolt extractors that came in handy when I broke out again. Enough tools to start over, and to do a hell of a lot of mischief for the conglomerate when they weren't looking. They had a lot of bad luck with their equipment after that, Hard to say why. (laughs) They couldn't end us, hard as they tried. We made places of our own where it wasn't profitable to get to, where the cameras suddenly didn't work, and they couldn't shut our power down. We dug in and we waited them out. When they thought they'd squeezed us dry, when they were distracted by their own problems, we took that bit of life they'd never managed to claim and set it growing. Is it bad? If you cross the lakes now, the first thing you see is bare earth, crumbling roads, a tangled wilderness, thousands of acres that still smolder. But you push in deeper, and there's life. There's home. We've got fields and a river and satellite access. We're taking it back. Not for the future, not for all of humanity, for our own selves. It's been bad. But it's also the best goddamn thing. You should come and see it all, Elio. I'd really like that. Oh, and meet my nibblings. Still can't believe that part of it. (sighs) For now, though, it's past bedtime, and I made some promises for tomorrow. Lots around here to be fixed. Here, I'll help you up. (sighs) Ugh.
0: Thank you for listening. This episode featured Robin Regalado as Anung and Becca Marcus as Elio. The script was written by DJ Silvis. Cass McPhee is our audio engineer. Our theme music is starred by the band Ramp. Our cover art is by Peter Tchaikovsky. We'll be back next week with the most unexpected of our deep dive bonus episodes. This one, looking at the Enclave officer and what he's been up to locked in Moon Jail. Until then, you should look up our fellow shows on the Fable and Folly network. There's info at fableandfolly.com and find your next great audio fiction experience. Take care and be excellent to each other. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is Yanni, and welcome to season two of Harlem Queen. Thank you for listening. The season picks up with the search for Michelle. You are listening to the Floyd J. Calvin program. And now, straight to the headlines. Manhattan debutante and socialite Michelle Mondesir has been kidnapped from her Connecticut boarding school. There is a tri-state search for Mademoiselle Mondesir, who is 15 years of age, Caucasian, and was last seen yesterday evening going to her dormitory. Stephanie is frantic, and she risks all in order to find her missing daughter. We will find Michelle. There are troopers all along the New Jersey and Pennsylvania highways. That's not enough. Madame Stephanie St. Clair posted a $10,000 reward for information that leads to the safe return of Ms. Mondesir. You need to take down your reward, Stephanie. I will not. Those no-good couples already saying she's dead. The connection between the debutante and the numbers queen is unclear. And Stephanie still has to contend with Luciano and Schultz plotting to push her out of her own turf. Word on the street is that it Schultz. Who cares about a lost color girl? This one is white. Fifth Avenue debutante, lot of money, well connected. And I want to find out why Stephanie is so fixated on the girl. Stephanie is highly invested in her safe return. What do you need me to do? I need you to cheese it. What about St. You tried to clip her twice. Is she pushing up daisies? No. We're going to get her another way. Even Halstein is suspicious. Is he truly a friend or a foe? She's putting herself behind the ball. There's something more there and I need to find out. In the meantime, someone has to earn their money she's deciding not to earn. You have no power in this case, Stephanie. In fact, you're a liability. I will do everything in my power to get her
1: home safe and sound.
0: Listen up for season two. Harlem Queen is a recipient of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Creative Engagement Grant. And once we all get through this safe and sound, we will have a live radio show of Harlem Queen this fall. More episodes to come. Take good care and stay well.